Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Social Ninjas Podcast. Where your hosts, Kyle and Jeremy, have vulnerable conversations with the most successful entrepreneurs in the world to learn how they created and maintained an optimal mental health while building a thriving business. If you are an entrepreneur in the early stages of building your business who wants to learn techniques, tips, and tricks to improve your mental health to keep you and your business running smoothly, you're in the right spot. Quick disclaimer before starting the show. Kyle, Jeremy, and the guests they bring on the show are not health professionals, and what they say should not be used in place of a replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy the show! Welcome to the Social Ninjas Podcast. I am your co-host, Kyle Mitchell. Join with me as always, Jeremy Green. What is going on, Jeremy? Um, nothing, you know, just pushing continue to make sure it's okay with me to have this meeting recorded, but I'm doing well. Awesome. Awesome. So Jeremy, would you like to introduce our very special guest, seeing how you guys share a, a similar name? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Jeremy. Our special guest is Jeremy. Uh, this is Jeremy speaking. <laughs> Jeremy is about to be <laughs> presented. Jeremy is a professional athlete. He has a, a really fantastic podcast, which I'm sure he's going to talk about, maybe. He's also a coach, super coach. And uh, welcome, Jeremy. I just want to, for the record, I also press continue to allow this to be recorded today. This is Jeremy, the other Jeremy speaking. Uh, we always say that two Jeremys is better than one Jeremy in rooms. And also a second Kyle is also very accepted by me because my older brother's name is Kyle. So this is fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Just jumping into the water. Tell us about yourself. Jumping into the six foot, seven inch water just myself. Um, if people can't stand on their tiptoes and touch in six, seven, that's where I'm at right now. I've been a professional athlete now for five seasons total. And before I played basically 23 years of baseball and I switched after that. So I was talking on a room yesterday about how I was cut multiple times when I switched sports and the commissioner basically said, Hey, when the lights come on, you disappear. You do really good before that. But when the lights come on, you don't show enough. And he's like, I love you. And I think you'd do so good with the community. I think you'd be so good for the kids, but you've got to show up. And so I was like, okay, I understand. And for the next two years, I did everything on Facebook Live. Everything. You can literally go back and on Facebook Live and Instagram Live, I would train on, I would sing on as I was goofing around. I'd start playing the piano. You'd see me talking to people. Jeremy, I was talking to strangers as well, before, wow. probably about the same time you were doing it. And, and then I would, I would lift, I would do everything on there. And I realized that people started to get to know who I was as a human being. And then when I just started getting into this stuff, people were just like, Hey, why aren't you coaching people? You've been doing this forever. Like, this is like what you do. And I ended up making the team and I play professionally now. It's amazing. I have a ton of fun, but what I'm almost more focused on in my life is that whoever's in front of me, I love whoever's standing in front of me or can hear my voice. I just love and appreciate because I've heard the same can I swear around this podcast? Bullshit. Green light. <laughs> Bullshit from, from so many people about how they don't believe in themselves for whatever reason. And it's become a, like a mission of mine, a side mission of mine where I just spread love wherever I go. 
which is why when I saw your name and I saw like what you were doing, I was like, I really like Jeremy. And he was like, Jeremy kind of likes Jeremy too. So this is like really cool. And we tag teamed and that's kind of how we ended up here. But I have so much to say, but I'll kind of go off the cusp from, from here on out. Well, I love you too, Jeremy. I'm thumbsing up. I forgot people can't hear me or see me. <laughs> so how did you get to the point of loving yourself? That is a great question. I would say that it came from multiple big moments. I think that people sometimes miss. Um, my first one where I was proud of myself was when I went to Germany by myself. I flew over there and I was there with an agent who basically took our money and left us at a train station in the middle of Estonia and was like, flipped us off. And it was, it was a whole thing. Of course, that's a whole nother story. But I remember as I was sitting there, I was like, man, if I call home right now, they're going to tell me to come home. They're going to be like, oh, cause they care about us. And so what, I, what I've really found out is that so much caring from our family and our friends is actually disguised in hurting us from going to where we want to go. Cause they'll be like, Hey, you know, just come home. You know, it's, it's easy, you know, blah, blah. I didn't talk to my family for a month. They didn't know where I was. They didn't even know what country I was in because I left. And I said, I'm not going home. And I bought a one-way ticket to Germany from there. I sent out emails. I found a way to network with this guy with that knew the agent and also had heard bad things about him in the past. And he decided he would help us out and do one workout with us and then use him as a name. And I sent out 6,000 emails from a basement in an Airbnb that I hooked up myself with, with a tennis instructor and this other girl that also played tennis. I played more tennis in 14 days and played the piano with their little kid and started randomly learning German than I did basketball. And then 14 days later, I was almost out of money, was about to go home, about to give up on everything. And I got a phone call from the local team that had contacted that person that I had networked with. And I got to go to practice. I hadn't played basketball in 14 days. I airballed the first shot. I was horrible in the first like 10 minutes as I was getting warmed up. I'm like, dude, they're going to be like, who the heck is this guy? But I, I got comfortable and I made the team. And I just remember sitting there at the end of the day, just being like, wow, like had I called someone who cared about me, I probably would have went home. They'd have been like, hey. You just muted yourself. That was wild. I don't know how that happened. It's okay. Um, yeah, my answer. <laughs> but just like the, for the, I just saw that the people that care about us sometimes are the ones that actually can hold us back from, from experience so much. That, so that's when I found that love. Is that always the case or just sometimes? No, but one of the things I was talking about the other day too was a lot of the people that have this high ambition level that are constantly doing something, you know, they're having trouble right now resting. So I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now. They're like, I'm very ambitious. And if they have a day, Jeremy raises his hand. If they have a day where they're chilling and in those, in the past, those chilling days, they get frustrated with themselves. So like their wife or their, their spouse or their kids will come in and be like, Hey, you know, are you okay? Just want to check in with you. I know you're usually kind of up and grind and here we go. And today I kind of just saw you were, you were hanging out, you know, are you okay? And what they don't realize is that they can trigger that old behavior of them having already a difficult time relaxing. So no, it's not always the case because sometimes people do know us quote unquote better than we know ourselves, but that's why we do need to find that self-love of who we are and our core opinions and core values that we truly have 
And that's what I start with my clients every single time is like, I need you to have a list of like a thousand core opinions on everything in your life. And as you're writing them down, you'll start to find that belief in yourself. So you don't have to rely on someone else. So no. So I want to go back to that uh, little side story you were talking about. How about you got uh, practice in with the the basketball team and you said you hadn't played in two weeks. How did you mentally like step up in that moment, like on the spot? What was your process mentally or what did you do to get ready for that? Man, I remember standing there in warmups and they were probably just like, who's the new kid? And there's an American there too. And he's got to be like, this guy's here to take my spot. And so I felt the hostility <laughs> from him and from a couple other players on the team of like, who are you? And I literally airballed my first shot by like four feet. Like it wasn't even close. And I just had this moment of just like, uh, like I wanted to freeze. Like I just wanted to, to go away. And there was just something inside of me. Cause it's been so long since I've even thought about that moment of I've been here for two weeks. I stayed, I haven't talked to anybody. And it was just that little bit of a pep talk. And I don't think it's always the healthiest thing that I did, but I kind of just got, I just kind of got mad at myself and I was like, hey, you're better than this. Like you're, you're effing better than this. You're, it was just a self pep talk for a second of just a, Hey, get your shit together. Like you're going to be fine. And I went to the hole and I kind of dunked on someone a couple of plays later and things just kind of went back into rhythm, but you're right. You're right. That moment of just like, what am I doing here? Like, this is so hard, uh, kicked in. And I felt like I just had to have that self-talk with myself. I love that. I want to go back. I have to jump into just the, the, the conversation around failure. And I feel like for entrepreneurs, that's a, a really scary thing. I don't, they don't want to fail. So they never try. They never try. They have all sorts of beautiful regret. <laughs> um, what would your take be on someone who's like having trouble with failing or failure in general? I would say they're having trouble with asking the question after they fail, because like I said, when, when I didn't make the four teams that I made when I was back home trying out for the U S because I didn't want to, I didn't feel like going overseas again, feel like having a Walmart down the street instead of uh, a fresh market that closes at like 6 PM that I, you know, don't understand. So after those tryouts, I would reach back out to the, to the owner. And I would just say like, Hey, you know, what, what do I need to work on? And I was very open to feedback to where I wasn't going to judge myself anymore for not being good enough in that moment. I was going to take all the things that he was going to say and then put it into my work ethic. And I was almost excited to hear that stuff. So I know that as I say with my clients too, it's like, I can only disown something and move on from something if I own it first myself. So basically all of the mistakes that I was making, it was finally up to me, kind of that same self pep talk I gave to myself in Germany, which was, dude, you're just not that good at this yet. But I don't judge myself for it. So let's go on Facebook Live. Let's go on Instagram Live. Let's use the power of the internet to where I have somewhere between one and a hundred people watching me do what I'm doing every day. And I'm going to get very comfortable having eyes on me. We live in a very social media world. And that was kind of the difference where once I did come back into like my next tour, or into my next like job interview with basketball, which is really, that's what it is, a tryout. I felt so comfortable in getting my foot in the door, which really means having a lot of people know who you are when you get there. 
and have that respect for you. Cause that's what the leaders are subconsciously seeing. If I walk in and I see, and they see 10 people walk up to me and they're, Hey, what's up? What's up? What's going on? Versus the person who comes in for their very first time and they're kind of off in the corner and they don't have that projection of energy. So I just, I just say that they have to get better at talking to the people that are in charge and not judging themselves for being where they are. You're human. You're supposed to probably fail the first couple of times. It's not a, this is it. This is my moment. It's all or nothing. Uh, it's something that your, you know, mom or teacher or someone said that like, oh, this is my moment. Don't miss your moment. There's another moment that you can have in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, you know, if you're, we're still alive, we can have another moment. Talk to the person who's in charge. Let them know. Let them mind the curtain. Hey, I'm new here. Like I'm trying to make a name for myself. I'm open to feedback at the end. That's what I had to say about that. So I was going to ask why you would go uh, live with everything you did. And then you kind of answered it right there because you're trying to, I guess, train your brain to get used to having the eyes on you, having that spotlight, which reminds me a lot of the stuff that kind of Jeremy and I, the other Jeremy and I have done (laughs) with some different like uh, social uncomfortable challenges, just kind of like train that, you know, anxiety that you may feel about that moment to realize like, Oh, hey, uh, I'm good. I'm safe. Uh, what other little things like that have you done? Because that, that's that's a pretty good one. I like that one a lot. What, I'm curious if you've done anything else like that. Well, first off, I saw your guys' dance party in the middle of the street the other day, which was phenomenal. <laughs> it looked like you guys have so much fun. So first off, I love the fact that, and I'm sure at some point it was a little nerve wracking for the both of you to go out and be like, okay, like we're going to do this. Like we're just going to dance and we're going to try to get people out of their comfort zones, including us. And who benefited the most from that was probably you. And even seeing people's joy come from it, seeing people relax afterwards, I'm sure it's been such a benefit. So I love that I'm meeting the both of you for the first time in person. I'm getting to see your faces because I love what you guys are doing. As far as for some of the other tactics that I've used was came from speaking. So I was about to speak on stage for the first time in Lithuania, World Speech Day back in like 2017 or 2018. I don't remember the year exactly. They're all blur. But I did my first speech on Instagram Live for, again, the 10, 15, however many people were going to be watching to practice in front of them and kind of get the nerves out of the way and see the little parts that I could tweak once I got on stage. It just made so much sense to me. Why not use these wonderful people that want to hear the speech as well first? And then when I go on stage, I just felt so much more polished, so much more ready. I'm not a professional speaker. I mean, I would say I'm pretty decent at it now, but at the time I'd never spoken on a stage before. And my friends and teammates and colleagues that I'd met, I was like a little Tony Robbins on that stage or on that campus afterwards. There's a little international university. They're all recording saying, hey, he's doing what he's doing best. And I remember when I saw the feedback, I was like, the market speaks for itself. But that came from that very first draft that I did uh, in front of Instagram Live. And people didn't see that. You know, they didn't see that. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Tony. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is Tony. <laughs> what, what are the main things you talk about and tips you give? When you're speaking, Mm, it really depends on who's in front of me, because I think what I've really done over the last five years since I first started my podcast was make a mockery of my own life and not be afraid of it. I've talked about how bad I was at sex for a while. I've talked about 
you know, my inability to make eye contact with another human being when I was in college, I have really just gone through like my trauma with, with my dad being hurt and paralyzed for 19 years and having to learn how to love him and sit in his chair in his bed with him and treat him like a human being, even though he couldn't do anything, he couldn't show me love. And I was a, you know, 11 year old kid, a 12 year old kid. So I basically just put a spotlight on my life of how difficult it was for me to grow up as a man without a like role model in my life that I could really follow. And I really believed in because every time I looked up, I saw a man who was either an asshole who kind of got what he wanted, or I saw someone who was really nice, but he got walked on by society, he got walked on by his wife, he got walked on by his kids. And I was just like, I don't want either of those. So I felt so alone. And I felt like if I did talk to someone like a parent, I always saw them at some point look down at their watch. And even if they didn't mean to, I was like, that's right. This has an expiration date. I'm not your kid. You don't really care if I succeed because your kid needs help right now too. I don't blame you, but I feel like I'm being put on a clock. And so when I started doing podcasting or when I started having people reach out to me, which happened all the time, naturally, even when I was just a kid, I'd have people call me at 3am that I never talked to. And it was a junior year and they're like, Hey, you just seem like someone I could talk to. Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Well, this isn't this. So I just feel like I've just been a human being and I've really just put my crap out there and they've been able to see me grow from it into, you know, the fun loving person that I get to have romances with, you know, other Jeremy's and, and just experience life in a very fun, joyful, loving, curious way. And a lot of times that's really the secret when someone is quote unquote famous, they just are themselves to the point where they don't judge it. And people go, how, how did you break out? Tiffany Haddish, how did you break out? You know, enter celebrity here. So that's, that's really what I've been talking about for the last four years is whatever basically is relevant in that week that I've probably gone through. That's somewhat embarrassing, but I don't care because I don't judge myself because I know that I'm trying to grow from it and not do it anymore. Hello, this is Kyle, your favorite co-host of the social ninjas podcast. Don't worry. I won't tell Jeremy. Uh, I just want to share with you all this really awesome mental health app designed specifically for men. So we all know that mental well-being takes practice, it takes strength, and it takes vulnerability, which for us men is sometimes kind of hard. It's not something that we fix, it's something that we honor, and no man needs to do that alone. That's where the Tether app comes into play. It's an area to practice those skills. With the app, you get access to peer programming, content, and a 24-7 support network where you can support other men and be supported yourself. It's not just a place to come when you're having a bad day. It's for every single day, and we celebrate a lot in the app. It's available on the App Store and Google Play Store for free. All you got to do is go check it out, go download it. It is the Tether app, and that's T-E-T-H-R. Go download it right now, then come back to the podcast and listen. Are you okay with ask, or answering how happened to your dad? I am. Thank you for asking. Um, so a kid drove down to California 19 and a half years ago on September 4th, seven days before 9-11, actually. 
And he decided to drive down and back right before the college year started at Oregon State University. He got to his dorm, packed everything up. And since school hadn't quite started, he decided to drive the extra 20 minutes to Salem, Oregon, and he didn't make it. And my dad, his best friend, and a girl officer were standing alongside of the road on I-5 in Oregon. And he fell asleep going however many miles an hour he was and would drifted across traffic. And I think my dad was the only one who saw because the other two died very immediately. And I think my dad jumped and he hit his head on the window, on the front window, you know, front windows, they don't shatter, they, they crack. And so it cracked a little bit, but he would have been fine probably, but he hit his head just on that top bar too. And he got dragged and thrown into the ditch. And when they got there, my dad hadn't actually clocked in for work. And so they saw, he just was on his way and just stopped to help the other lady officer. So they saw my dad's best friend and the lady, and they were, you know, not in any resemble shape of a person. So they thought that was my dad. And they found him a lot later, still alive over in the ditch. And with just everything that happened, he had so much brain trauma from a lack of oxygen, from his collapsed lungs, from just all the, all the problems that he, I think he died twice. I think he died once on the scene and then once on the way to the hospital on the helicopter. And for the next 19 years, you know, he came out of a coma about five years, five months later. Um, but he was paralyzed and he could kind of laugh and cry and see us. And it was a huge blessing. It was so cool. It was hard. And there's videos on my Instagram that you can see my interactions with him. And it was super hard for me. Cause like I said, I, he taught me the ultimate form of true love. Cause I knew he couldn't love me back. I I'd love him. I'd rub his head, tell him Jeremy loves you. Just like he would when I was a kid, I'd tell him stories about sports. I'd be like, Hey man, what do you think about me going to California? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And he couldn't say anything back. And, but I just wanted to love him. And every time I, every single time I'd leave there, I'd cry every time. Because I was just, I'd pour into someone without being poured into. And he finally, uh, I got a phone call on the end of April. And my, it was my mom. And he's like, he's sick again, but he's not going to make it this time. And I just remember I was just walking up and down the hallways. And I just cried. I said, mom, let's just feel it. I don't need you to be strong. I don't need anyone to be strong. If I've learned anything from these wonderful people that I spend time with on, on Clubhouse and in, in these rooms, it's let's feel it as a group. Let's mourn as a group. It's okay. And, uh, I was going to FaceTime him and I fell asleep and I was just exhausted after crying. I cried myself to sleep literally. And, uh, when I woke up, I was like, wow, I, I missed it. I missed my FaceTime. Heck, and I'm buying a ticket home. And then Arkansas, I'm, you know, all around the world. I bought a ticket home, went to practice that day and just told my team, I'm going home to the, say my goodbyes to my dad. And it was the most beautiful day of my life because me and my two brothers stood in his room. He was calm. He was happy that day. You couldn't tell he was sick. Thank goodness. Cause my little brother hadn't seen him in 14 years in that, that room. And my older brother kind of went first and was like, Hey, heard you're not doing too well. You know, Jason, his 16 month old is putting his sister's <laughs> hat in the toilet and doing all these things and making my dad laugh and making him comfortable. And then I went next and I said, you know, dad, your older son's a great dad. He's going to be just fine. And your littlest son, he's going to be okay too. I just need to let you know that if it's time to go, I just want you to go. We're going to be fine without you. I promise. I, I, we love you. We're so thankful for you. And everyone was crying. 
And I went, looked at my brother. And I was like, okay, you know, you can say something. He was just like, he just shook his head and I just walked over to him. I'd never seen him cry. I just gave him a huge hug. I said, that's how it's supposed to be. It's okay. I promise we're right here. I'm right here with you the entire way. This is how it's supposed to be. And he walked over and he put his little right hand on there. Cause he was six when my dad got hurt and he just cried and closed his eyes. And I, he just spoke to him from his heart. I don't know what he said. doesn't matter. And he looked up at me and kind of just nodded. I just walked over and gave him a big hug and just let him cry and cried with him. And, uh, my older brother was like, are we supposed to cry from our nose as much? <laughs> and we all walked out of it together. And I got the text, you know, what, a week later and it was from my older brother. And he just said, sorry, bud. And I was back in Arkansas and my little brother texted me. He was like, are you doing okay? And I was like, yeah. He texted me back. He said, at least we all got to see him together. And at least he went out smiling, which was not the case. But that day, I truly believe that God helped him be comfortable so that my little brother could have that beautiful closure of seeing him in that case, in that, in that scenario. So it's a long story, but it's one where we have grown so incredibly close together as a family, um, not only these last 19 years, but this last month. And again, I've been able to help so many people find that true love with their spouses, with their kids, and with so many people in the world, because I always say we don't lick someone in the face to be licked in return. That's what, a, that's what a dog does. It just loves. And I think that's why that even though I'm 30 and I'm not this, you know, 50 year old guy that's been through all this stuff, I know how to help people because I know how to love people. And then whoever's standing in front of me is the most important person on the planet. And I think that's what I learned from my dad. So thanks for asking. Wow. I made me tear up. For sure. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I, I want to at least ask you one more question before we do go. Uh, if you had the ability to send one message to everybody in the world, what would it be? Figure out what you want to speak about. Figure out what's important to you. It's, you know, the, the, there's a lot of fab words that float around and one of them is imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome literally doesn't exist. If you figure out what you want to say and what you believe in, no matter what, no matter how much experience you've been through, you have your own unique circumstances. You have your own unique point of view. And so when I'm working with like my clients, when they're trying to build their confidence for the first time, I'll literally be like, well, what do you say about this? You know, what should take your favorite quotes, your favorite books, your favorite everything. Cause what nice guys and nice girls do is they know how to chameleon themselves to fit in and they not, they don't develop these opinions that are, could rock the boat or could make somebody honestly change for the better. And so nice guys and nice girls actually do the world a disservice because they have so much good inside of them that needs to be heard but they don't say it because they get nervous. Cause they're like, Oh, well, I'm just an imposter. Why should people listen to me? And, and, or they're, they're just content. So what I have people do is you don't have to make a difference in the world. You don't have to have all these, you know, extraneous ideas. I don't think, I think I just made up a word, but you don't have to have all of these big plans, but you do want to be confident in who you are, whether it's with just another, when you want to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or you want to have these friends, you want to have peace and ease in your life. That comes from knowing your heart, knowing that you're going to have its back. And that's one of my saints. That's another thing that I wrote down as I was on clubhouse. And as I was 
talking to people in the world, I started writing things down that I've said multiple times. I'm like, that's kind of my phrase. And if I ever wanted to quote someone else, I quote Tony Robbins, I quote them. But then I think about it later and be like, well, how would I say this? Like if I was really thinking about it, like how has this impacted my life? Or is there a story here that's impacted my life here? And what I really noticed is I've seen all of my clients gain so much confidence themselves from knowing that they're no longer trying to impersonate somebody else. And it's okay to have an opinion. And it's okay because at some point, you know, their kids is going to look up to them or someone that they care about is going to walk up to them and be like, oh, I'm not confident. And I feel I have imposter syndrome. I feel I have all these things that are just labels. And you're going to be able to look at that person and be like, look, I understand where you are. I empathize where you are, but you don't have to stay there. And then you actually have the power and the toolkit and the ammunition to turn around and help them because you've helped yourself. And you walk around a little different, you breathe a little different, and you start to have ease. And of all the things that I really want to help people have, it's confidence, but it's peace and ease throughout their life. I just want people to be happy. Because if, if you are trying to make a difference, or if you want to have a business, or if you want to do anything someday as an entrepreneur, or even as a parent, you're not going to have people listen to you. Your kids aren't going to listen to you at all. And this, they look at you and they have a question in their mind of how? How are you so happy? How are you so joyful? How are you so confident? That's the people that there's influencers in this world for a reason on YouTube. And so people are going to listen to the parents and to your friends and to your spouses and whoever that are confident, joyful, loving, curious, fun, opinionated, because they're going to want to know how did you get to that point? So if I could write one message, it's know who you are and know those things that you believe in and start to write them down. So you see it on a consistent basis so that you can turn around and actually show up in the world the way that you want to and stop being invisible. It's really not as, it's not that fun when you can't look at people in the eyes and you can't talk to people and you can't meet people like yourself and turn into the glasses crew and have fun and, and just be confident being who you are and have bromances and cismances. Cismances? I like it. We'll go with it. So that, that's definitely what I'd say. Uh, I, uh, I got, I got choked up from your story. I was not gonna lie. I thought about my dad not being alive anymore. I got pretty teared up. Um, well, I'll say the same thing that I said to one of my friends last night who got choked up about one of their, someone was telling a story about losing their kids. And she's like, man, I just tore something in my heart right now. And she's like, I'm such an empath. And I was like, you don't always have to be an empath when someone's telling a story and go to the place of actual loss. And I talk about it inside out where when she was going back to her old memories, it'd be a really happy memory, a really happy memory. And then at the very end, sadness would touch the ball and it would turn blue and she'd be like, oh yeah, but it ended. And so one of the things that I even tell people right now is I'm 99.9% of the day, I'm really happy. I'm very happy. And the 0.1% that I'm not, I cry. And I just let myself feel it. Or I'm angry, or I'm frustrated, whatever it was with the situation. Even when my dad just passed away, even on Father's Day. And what I do is I go back into these moments and I'm just grateful. And that's it. Because I don't let it go to, oh yeah, he's not here anymore. Oh Yeah. Like I just stick on the moment of, of whatever I'm thinking about in that moment of me and him just sitting in his bed and talking. And so even when you're listening to another story, because this is important for empaths because people feel it. And there's coaches that are going to be coaches at some point that listen to this podcast that will feel the energy of the people that they're trying to help. It's okay to feel that energy and not go to the finish line yourself. Mm. It's okay. I'm giving people permission to do that because I don't want them to, I want them to take the lesson away from it and, and be moved. And it's, there's so many beautiful stories out there in the world. 
I've been like when Silk Little John first spoke, I literally cried so hard. I had to pass the mic to someone else and say, this, this is my room. And I was like, but I was like, I can't speak for the next like five minutes. I was impacted, but I wasn't impacted because I was thinking about me losing my sight. I was impacted because it was such a beautiful story. Mm. So I just want to give you that permission, brother, because you don't have to think about losing your dad, but you can be amazingly grateful that you have a wonderful one in your life and stay there. Thank you. I am uh, very grateful for my dad. He's phenomenal. Um, and I'm grateful for you, man. Um, I really enjoy your energy and I really enjoy your rooms and the presence you, you hold. This is very, really, really powerful. And it's the people who do lead with ego definitely make you cooler. (laughs) (laughs) You're so true. (laughs) Oh, I just dropped my thing. You're so true. You made me drop my mic. (laughs) Uh, I always say it's like, yeah the the people who aren't lead with ego they help you appreciate people who don't it's so true it's a gift it's a gift those people are are a gift for people like yeah yourselves too because it's like (laughs) yep it's okay and we we don't we can just empathize with them yeah i agree um well thanks for coming on the podcast jeremy love you brother i love you so much i really do and kyle if you're family with jeremy you're family with me right on (laughs) (laughs) all right well that is the end of this episode we'll see you all next week